Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't know what day of the week you're listening to this, but welcome to the Av Podcast, where we do two things right here. We give God glory, we tell stories, and uh, God has been so good to His people. So tonight, you're going to listen to another amazing, amazing conversation with my brother. But before we get in, I want you to listen to this real quick. Hopefully this encourages you and motivates you and just uh, just blesses you. God bless. You and I look at things on this earth and go, something seems wrong, something seems off. We're absolutely right. This wasn't what he wanted. It wasn't what he intended. But what the Bible says is that one day things are going to change and he's going to redeem the world and there's going to be a, a new heaven and a new earth and everything's going to be different. But until then, we're here and we face pain. But the crazy thing about it is the Bible says that God can even use the pain that we're suffering right now for his glory. He can turn it into a good thing. That's why in James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete Ooh, come on we know that everything we go through in life is for a purpose it's to grow us it's to mature us but to give god glory so no matter what you're going through today remember this it's all for a purpose it's all for a reason and so never forget that God allows everything for a purpose and a reason. You may not understand what you're going through at this moment, but remember, it's for a purpose. It's for it's for a reason. God wants to grow you. I believe that if you don't go through anything, then you're not going to grow. And God desires his children to grow. What father doesn't want his children to mature and to grow? So I hope that blesses you. But um, amen, we're about to get it in. It's about to go down. So let's do it. God bless you and have a wonderful night. Hello. Hey, what's good, boss? Welcome to the Av Podcast. What's good? My man, what's up, David, man? Nice to talk to you, brother. Danny boy, man. Oh, no. Talk to me. Let <laughs> yeah. us know what's going down. Oh, man. You know, this is, you know, Danny Boy, Project Hope, you know, serving with God child of God. Um, yeah, I'm 36 years old, man. Got uh, married to a beautiful woman named Veronica. Um, we have uh, five kids currently living with us that are our children. I have one that lives in Florida, and he makes number six, man. I got it. Um, yeah, man, we had a... Uh, we, we're actually a blended family, though. You know, um, my wife and I had a little life before each other, and uh, God brought us together through his redemptive love, man, and... Uh, made something out of something that was so terrible. You know what I mean? Mm, come on. Yeah, man. And now he's just using our lives, man, to, uh, to, to, to magnify his name, man. At the end of the day, that's what it really boils down to. And, and God willing, my wife and I are able to, uh, uh, um, to steer our children in that same direction. So when they live their lives as young adults and, and, and adults, they are able to um, be used as an instrument as well. You know what I mean? Amen. I see you got some little ladies in there too. So you got four. I got boys. one. Yeah. 
Oh, oh. I got five boys and one girl. Five boys and one girl. Good God. So that girl's yeah. going to be the toughest one, huh? Oh, man. She's already punching her brothers in the face, man. I'm trying to <laughs> calm her down a little bit, bro. You know what I mean? I feel sorry <laughs> for that dude who tries to test her. She'll be like, uh-uh. Oh, my God. We could pray for him right now, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about uh, your story. Uh, so tell us a little bit. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, uh, how was it? How, how was... Uh, what city did you grow up? You know how did, how was it uh, where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I have a pretty unique story, man. Talk about um, it. Yeah, bro. So, so my mother and father, um, born and raised Southern California, man. High school sweethearts, um, and uh, I'm from so Ventura County, Santa Paula, right? Okay. A little small city, little small city in Ventura County called Santa Paula, bro. AKA the snake pit, right? Um, anybody can do their anybody can do their research. They, they, I'm sure they heard about it, and if not, so be it. You know. All right. Um, so my parents grew up there. My dad ended up joining the military, um, and he actually had him and my mom moved to North Carolina, actually, right? And that's where he had me at. That's where they had me at. Um, then he ended up getting out of the like, military. Um, came back to Santa Paula. Fast forward a little bit, man. Um, back to North Carolina. He rejoined the Army, and I was in grade school, man. Um, so I grew up basically in North Carolina, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, a good portion of my life. And then I came back to California as a young teenager, probably like 12, 13 years old. And uh, and believe it or not, that's where I started, man. Uh, Things got pretty sticky, man, because my mother and father divorced, man, when mm. I was... Yeah, they divorced. The reason why we came back to California is because they was divorced, and my dad needed a safe place for us to um, to kind of grow up, man, and um, he couldn't do it by himself, so he invited his uncles, his his, his mom, and, and my mom, and my grandmother, my nana, and papa. You know, the whole family that collectively kind of, like, impact our lives Amen. so we can, you know, so we can kind of go down the right path um and that happened in santa paula and then we had uh we then 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 that was the worst of it bro that uh that's actually was the uh the separation of my dad my mom my two sisters um really we never ever lived under the same household again any of us with mm-hmm. the exception of me and my dad maybe um and i was like 13 14 and and and, and just living the life of blindness, really, and um, yeah. it was just bad, man. At the end of the day, um, and that kind of led me down a path that was kind of uh, dark and uncertain for me, Ooh, as uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. And let um, us let me let, let us rewind a little bit. So you're in North yeah. Carolina as yeah. 10, 11 years old, and you uh-huh. make your way yep. to Cali. What yep. is the, the, the is it is it a is it a culture shock? Is it a is it like night and day? Like when you get back to California, uh, yeah. Like what? Like, uh, um, what's the difference? Like for you, what was like the huge? What were some of the differences between North Carolina, yeah. South Carolina, North Carolina, yeah, yeah, North Carolina, and yep. California? Man, so so I can say if I were to put down the top three differences, one of them would be the culture shock of the of of of, uh, of um, you know, ethnicity. Because in, in North Carolina, you call it the Deep South, right? It's not really the Deep South, but it's it's pretty it's it's a uh, it's Southern for sure. You got 
the the whites and the blacks make up the majority and unfortunately man they it, it's just they're they're at each other's throats kind of um mm -hmm. um so that would be the number one right because when you come back to california you have uh your pre predominantly hispanic community right correct and then uh when you go to north carolina the second one on my list would be the hospitality you have you have people who actually are diverse in culture and ethnicity, but they all say thank you and they open the door for you. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Right. Oh, wow. You yeah, you come back to California and <laughs> you don't really see that too much. It, it, you got Shut up. Get out of my way, time. huh? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and the third one would be the weather, man. I mean, the weather in the South is hot, sticky, and you got mosquitoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you got extremes, you know, got like a cold in the winter, hot in the summer, man. And you come to California, you could pretty much bet your bottom dollar that you're going to have nice weather all the way around the, the season. How was it being a, yeah. mm -hmm. How was it being Hispanic over there? Like, you know, did, did you, did they just consider you, know you white because you're like complected? <laughs> um, I got that a lot, you know, believe it or not, but because of the South, um, being where it's at, you got a lot of immigrants that come from Puerto Rico and Panama and El Salvador. Oh, wow. You got them from, okay. uh, from Cuba. You got, you know, Puerto Ricans. So believe it or not, you get a lot of Hispanics out there, but there's just not a lot of Mexicans out there. Oh, okay. So, so that's what made it harder for me. You know what I'm saying? That's what really made it harder for me because, you know, I'm not Latino enough to be the the, the 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 Hispanic in that area, you know what I'm saying? So wow. you have to be, you have to be like extra, like extra cultured, you know? Because I don't speak Spanish, you know what I'm saying? Me either, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Come so on. you got to think about it. You got a lot of people who look down on me because I'm supposed to be, you know, third generation Mexican, but I don't speak a lick of Spanish, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Me, and you got the yeah. Boricuas. So it's like I was just trying to, I was just trying to maintain, and man, I was, you know. <laughs> So that's how we're really, so yeah. let's fast forward back to California. Uh, moms uh -huh. and pops split, and you say mm -hmm. you 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 get to this place in your your young teenage because you know a lot of people don't understand or the people do know it's twelve thirteen years old is very 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 big for people especially when you grow up in the neighborhood twelve and thirteen yep. years old you start picking paths you start picking yep. friends you start picking yeah uh, addictions and vices yeah so yeah. Where do you see the change happening for, for Danny? You know, where do you feel like you're starting to sway to the left, to the right? You know, yeah. what, what, what do you feel like, what led you to that? So check this out, man. That's easy. I, I could tell you real quick. All right. So I'm, I'm living in Santa Paula and I'm with my mom, with my nana, my mom, my nana, my tata, my tío, my prima Amber, Lori and Camille. And then it's Sierra baby Mitchell and Gabriel. And we're all living in a, in a three bedroom house. And it's like, man, there's a gang of us, bro. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my cousin Camille, it was, was a knucklehead. And, uh, she was probably three or four years older than me. And all her homeboys would come to the pad. And, um, she was, she was involved, not in, I wouldn't say so much gangs, but her boyfriend was gang related. So then they would all come over and hang out and they would feed me, they would feed me beer and beer and weed. And I would sit down with them. I'm talking about older homies who got respect in the hood. And they would literally feed me beer and weed and just love on me, homies. Well, what I thought was love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah definitely. 
and it uh it really it really brought me to a point where I felt like I can do this. Like I'm feeling loved by people who 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 maybe are just just like me, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Or maybe I'm just like them or whatever and I'm feeling really welcomed. And that's really where my life turned, bro. It turned for it turned for the worse, my boy. I mean, like I, I can I can sit here right now and tell you that I was I'm not gang related. I was never an active gang member, but because I was associated with the moments my entire life, I kind of walked and learned everything about it and oh, know about it and, yeah. and, and lived a lot of it, you know? Yeah. The guns and the knives and the and the fighting and me going to prison at eighteen and and like the whole nine yards, you know what I mean? But that's just where it started at, right there on the front porch of my nana's house. You can know? We, can we talk about? Um, see, a lot of people don't understand if they're listening. A lot of people don't understand that that you know, as as um, as young men, you know, we have dads, but they're kind of either they're not there mentally or emotionally, or, or some yeah. of us are not. Our pops are not there physically. How? Yeah. How do? Do you like you know like we're we're searching, and we're, we're yeah. and and people don't understand that the neighborhood gives us that sense of family and love. Can you explain yeah. to us how, like you said, like they gave you what you were lacking, yeah, but it was yeah. distorted. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Uh, so do you do you yeah. believe that uh uh you you know that that, that that's a way that the um that the neighborhood that they draw you is by that. Yeah, for sure. And you know what's even funnier? It It, it, it is true. It's valid that I, I lack the love of a male figure in my life. And also my mom too, because she's the one that left uh, left us, but I just happened to go back with her. But I, I did lack that, that male figure and that mother figure in my, in my life. Um, and it is the fact that I was drawn to it by the other guys that were shown, like the older homeboys that were that were with my with my uh, with my cousin Camille. And the funny thing about it is, I don't even think that they knew that they were showing me what I was lacking. Mm. I think that they were just. I think that they were just loving me because it's it, it, it's it's like this: when we don't have things in our life that we grow up without, we search for that. So if we can, you know, we search for that. And sometimes we search for it in a way where we're showing it to other people. Mm. But we don't even know what we're showing them. And that's why it's so distorted because it's such a, it, it, it's because it, it, it's so, it's something that we know that we need, but we show it the way that we know how to show it. Regardless if it's, I'm going to give this little man something because I know that he 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 didn't have what he had needs growing up, but all I can give him was a sack of weed and a forty ounce. Amen. No, no, definitely. So and, that's you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's that false love, you know. Like you know, I tell yeah. everybody, I believe that every human being is born with a god-sized hole in their heart, and yeah. uh, we're lacking, we're hurt, we're young, we're angry, yeah. we don't get it, we don't yeah. understand why why yeah. me. You know, we're looking at other people that have stuff, that have parents, and you look yeah. at me. And so we're searching, you know, that, that old saying, searching for love in all the wrong places. And the yeah, enemy, bro. the enemy uses the things of the world to bring us that, that false sense of love and of unity and of family. Amen. So take me you know? to where you, um, you get to that place where you, uh, 
you end up in prison for the first time or in jail for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Also, check this out. So I spent a few years in California and I was messing up bad, man. I was messing up bad. Um, um, I tried to burn my dad's face off with an iron. Mm. Um, with the, I, I was ironing my pants and him and I got in an argument and, uh, he, him and I really didn't have a really good relationship. So he, he, he came out sideways and I picked the iron up and I ran over to him and, 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 and my dad basically called my bluff that day, right? He called my bluff. I had the iron to his face and he said, if you're really a man, then you'll burn my face. And I didn't. Thank God. Mm. Um, thank God that I did it. Um, but it came really close and my dad ended up getting orders to go um, back to the East Coast. And because I was so far gone, smoking weed, drinking beer, getting jumped by people, um, getting in fights over and over, getting kicked out of all the schools that I was in, um, he asked me if I thought that my life might be better if he took me back to the East Coast just for a little bit. Yeah. And and uh, I says, well, it can't hurt. And I went with him. And I got involved in heroin, got involved, got involved in cocaine from a couple of people that I ended up linking up with in North Carolina. Um, and one thing led to another. When I was supposed to be graduating high school, I ended up going upstate to prison for a few months. Um, and it, uh, it, uh, it was a it was a time in my life where I couldn't understand why my life was so wrecked, mm. so messed up. I didn't understand it. I didn't. I didn't. I I just could not see right. I couldn't see properly. I couldn't say nothing properly. Everything that I did physically, I messed up. You know what I mean? Whether it was trying to. Uh, 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 have a relationship with the with a girlfriend, you know what I mean, or or have a friend with a or or be a friend to another dude, you know what I mean. Like I always found myself manipulating the situation or manipulating people to get my own way, and just it was terrible, man. Pretty much sabotaging your life. <laughs> so, I mean, completely destroying it. I mean, there've been so many times in my life where I had a chance and an opportunity to do things in the sports, uh, the athletic world, you know, baseball or football. And I chose drugs. I chose beer. I chose, you know, uh, uh, um, getting in trouble. The the the, the risks of uh, of and the adrenaline of doing crime. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and eventually, eventually bit me in the butt. Um, I I ended up um, pulling pulling a, a a liquor store clerk over the counter and trying to um, get what was my what was my property back from the liquor store um, clerk, but I ended up roughing them up and I was on camera. So I ended up going upstate only for a couple of months. Um, it was a quick turnaround. Um, it was a quick turnaround upstate and back. But you know, want to know something, David, what was so crazy is that um, that was the determining factor in my life that was going to change my life forever. Mm, and come on. when I was, when I went to the County jail, I was in the county jail for nine days and my bunkie was a, 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 a old black man and he was a Christian. He was a preacher. Come on. He was a, he was a pastor. Look at God. Do. Told, <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And he told me, you think that I am not supposed to be here in jail with you. 
But he told me, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be because Ooh, you are here. Come on, come on. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then they ended up shipping me out to a, uh, to YA. And uh, I had a chance to minister to my first, to my uh, a person in, in, in YA. Um, and I ended up asking him if he wanted to go to church with me. And I called that ministering. You know what I'm saying? Sure, Only because sure. I didn't know anything. Because that little nine days that I was with Pops, the black dude uh, in the county jail, it kind of touched me. Definitely, so, um, definitely. I ended up uh, ministering to this little white boy, and uh, we went to uh, we went to church together one time, and so on and so forth. I got shipped out to the to the uh, to the uh, to state prison with the uh, the twenty five year old and up guys, the grown man prison, basically. You know what I mean? And this is in um, North Carolina, correct? Yeah, this is in North Carolina. It's pretty weird. Um, and there's no politics out there, so I didn't have to worry about. Um, that was going to be my next with, question: Is how is an Hispanic? Yeah. How do you do time out there? Like you're saying, no problem. So it's it's actually pretty easy. You actually link up with the city that you're from. Hmm. So if you're from a certain city, then you find your city, and they house you with your city, just like they would house you with your race out here. Um, they house you with your city, um, and then you pretty much just do your time with the people that you're. That's from basically your own zip code, basically. You know what I mean? So if you're from the capital, you you go you go to prison with the capital. If you go if you're um uh 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 the outer city of the capital, you go to you go you you'll go do your time with them. Um, so basically, they 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 had me linked up with my own city, and thank God that we we ran the we ran the prison with the commissary and and, and the trades and 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 the dope and everything. So pretty much, I had it easy. You know what I mean? Um. But my bunkie was a Christian again when I got to the adult camp. My God. Um, he got, to, yeah, got my, looking out, huh? And you know what, bro? i never seen it coming even when I was there in prison. So when I got out of prison, um, I never, um, I never, I didn't realize how big of an impact those two gentlemen that were black, by the way, you know, I mean, not that I'm, I'm not, I'm not against black people or anything, but it's just the fact that a Mexican guy dealing with a, a black dude in prison, it's such a unique story because that's not the way the Mexicans get down. The blacks get down. It's it's a total opposite of what a young Mexican dude will see. No, definitely. When definitely. He would, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they changed my life and God hit me with a freaking ton of bricks and he had his hooks in me and I couldn't realize why after I got out of prison, I couldn't do anything without conviction. And I didn't even know what conviction was. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Definitely, definitely. Um, so I just continued to live my life. And um, back into heroin, back into cocaine, back into dealing with women and selling dope. And, and, you're whole, and, uh, and how old are you at this moment, at this time? I, I'm 19, 19 and a half now. Okay. And I went to prison when I was 18. Okay. Um, um, and I decided to get a job. And uh, well, basically, I grew up in a, in a body shop. My first job was at 12. So I, already, I always knew how to work. I always knew how to build cars. And I was a mechanic slash body man, painting hydraulics, you know, um, the, the, low, the low riding community. You know what I mean? That's what I grew up doing. Yes. Um, so I had a, I knew how to fix stuff. So I got a job. Um, 
and 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 I was a functioning addict on opioids. You know what I mean? Narcos and, and, and Percocets and stuff like that. Um, and I ended up getting me some really good jobs, and worked for the 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 the, the military base that was that that my dad worked on, and um. About two years later, working with the same company as a, as a diesel mechanic, I ended up going overseas uh, to Iraq, Afghanistan, and Kuwait to um, to work in the war zone as a diesel mechanic, as a civilian. Mm, my God. Um, yeah, strung out on heroin, opioids, and... How does that work in Iraq? <laughs> Bro, you'd be surprised. You you put some <laughs> you put yeah. you you put somebody down um in a place you'll find that it. Uh... <laughs> you'll find it, bro. You're you like... know what I mean? That's not a that's a little mouthpiece. He'll find it. He'll go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'll be asking dumb questions sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But you know what though? It it it's the it's the interesting part about it though, is like <laughs> someone's gonna have the answer for that question though, you know what I mean? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um yeah, bro. So I spent four years of my life over there. I came, I came back at a, I came back. I think I left around twenty, twenty-one years old, and I came back at around twenty-six. Well, um, um, what were some lessons? What are some things that you learned out there? Like, what was the experience about? Because you're not, you're not, a, you're not in the military, but you are no. American and you are in a war yeah. zone. Like, how was yeah. that for you? Like mentally, emotionally, you know, yeah, culture. It's a uh, Right, right. It uh, it's so interesting because it was it, it it taught me. It one it taught me how to be a functioning addict because I had to have I had to be like dress right, dress in front of these military people. I had to know my job. I had to operate with the with the big wigs, but still be able to get away to go get high by by myself. You know what I'm saying? So the so really the lessons that it taught me was how to turn on the switch of professionalism and turn off the switch to immaturity and basically manipulation, brother. <laughs> to be completely honest with you, because you know when when the when your when your back is against the wall and there's no way out, you better get get with the program pretty quick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um so I mean Thank, thankfully, I knew my job, so that was never an issue. Yeah, and and it taught me how to talk the way I am now. I have an eighth grade education. I never graduated high school. The last grade I completed was eighth grade. Join the crowd. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it was actually a blessing in disguise. I learned to communicate with the best. Yeah. And be attentive to the best, and listen to what listen to direction, and follow and execute. You know what I mean. Um, but being out there was just a blessing and a half, man. Although I was, I was living a life of sin and, and drugs and selling drugs to the United States soldiers and, and doing things of that nature while I was over there. Um, I shouldn't even incriminate myself so much, but, <laughs> um, was there any time, that, but it is what it is. Yeah. Huh? Was there any time over there where you felt like your life was in danger or, you, uh, or you pretty oh my much. Gosh. Oh yeah. No, there was, there's, there, there was probably. You probably have, I don't know, six to eight hours a day where the the um, the Iraqis or the Afghanis, whatever country I was in at the time, 
they basically, you know, take target practice at the bases you're at. You oh, know what wow. I mean? Oh, definitely. You can ask a lot of civilian contractors or a lot of uh, of, uh, of soldiers, whatever branch, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or Army, and they'll share with you that the the the, the enemy takes their shots when they can, and they're not afraid to die. So if they take a shot and they miss and they get killed doing it, then so be it. But uh, they had indirect fire, like um, like um, like they'll have mortars coming in, or 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 different different type of small arms weapons, and just shooting at the base and shooting mortars in over the walls. And wow, yeah, man. Um, so we would be in we would be in bunkers at two three hours of the day, just waiting for the to fire the 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 enemy to stop firing at us, or until the until the um enemy has been eliminated, or however they decided to to operate that day. You know what I mean? Well, so you make your way home. You say you're about 26 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. You, you come back to Cali or do you make your way back to North Carolina? I go back to North Carolina to pick up some stuff, get some court paperwork taken care of because I had a son. <laughs> I had a son that I uh, that I was trying to take care of and mother got full custody of it of him. Um, and I basically just cut my ties with the South and the, uh, the East Coast and I come back to California uh, strung out on on dope, strung out on dope, hit the ground running. And, Amen. Uh, wow. Yep. So, where do okay? So you're 26 years old. You 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 you've you've been to Iraq. You've been to Afghanistan. You you leave mm-hmm. the East Coast. You got you got your yep. first kid now. You got your yep. first uh, baby's mom. Yeah. So now you get back to Cali. Where does um does does wife is wifey come into the picture already? Um. Where do you, where does, where does God yeah. come in? Does God come in before yeah. the wife or after the wifey? So, so God came into the, to, to my life when I went to prison, when I was, when I was 18. Yes. And, he, and he always had my, he always had his hooks in me, but I just definitely, didn't really, definitely. I really couldn't, you know what I'm saying? So, um, when I hit, when I hit California, um, when I hit California, bro, I was trying to do the right thing. Although I was still strung out and I like, it was been, a, it was like a 15 year process. Um, um, of me getting high and selling dope and doing all this stuff. Um, when I hit the streets in, in California, I moved in with my uh, cousin, my cousin Vanessa. Can you remember what year, this, what year this was? Yeah, this is 2000 and, 2010. Okay, okay. This is, I think this is, this is uh, uh, the end of 2010. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. And uh, I moved in with my cousin Vanessa, and she had um, an apartment with her two with her two little boys. And I needed a place to stay, and so she 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 um, welcomed me in. I got a job. I started working. She brought her friends around, and you know, a single man and single women sometimes they hook up. You know hey what now. I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, hook me up um, with your homegirl. Exactly, bro. <laughs> and I just it that was one of those things that just kept on happening and happening and happening. Until she brought around this girl named Veronica. Hey, now. You know what I'm There's saying? There's always that one doorstopper. Like, this is I'm it. I'm telling you, bro. This it is, is it. I'm telling you. I'm getting this and It one. happened, bro. Yeah. But she's thinking, I got this one. I'm going to get this one. You thinking, I'm going to get this one. She's like, mm-mm. I got my plan. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 So she introduces us, and we hang out a few times. Um, And so on and so forth so she happened to be married at the time so 
I told you about God's redemptive love and how things happened. And she was actually going through a process of divorce when I actually met her. Um, so we hung out a few times and I tried to cut my ties with her over and over and over and over, but it didn't work on her part. On my part, we just found ourselves coming back towards each other, bro. And, uh, um, there were some issues that she was having in her marriage that I won't speak on, but ended up getting her divorce and realized that when she got her divorce and she got kind of like got with me like full force and put all of her attention towards me, then she found out that I was a heroin and methamphetamine addict. Mm. She had no idea. You know what I'm saying? She um, was already in love. Already in love. Come already on. in love. And believe, and believe it or not, that's where I felt she wasn't a Christian. She didn't believe in Christ. She didn't even go to church, nothing like that. But whether she was knowing it and believing it or not, God was working through her to get to me. Because once God got to me through her, he was going to draw her out of the dark world she was living in and she was going to be able to bring her three boys with her. Mm, okay. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and he was just using, he was just using her as the vessel to get to me, to use me as the vessel to bring them out. But all of it was his redemptive and sovereign sovereignty at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. Um, so what ended up happening is, um, I ran them up for freaking probably six more years, five more years, 2016. Yeah. 2016 was when I finally, um, tried to sober up and uh, she ended up moving me out of Santa Paula cause I was running them up, selling dope, getting it sent from North Carolina, rest in peace to my homeboy who passed away that would sell me the dope and ship it over, blah, 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 blah. Um, he passed away Easter of this past year. Um, shout out to my baby boy, Roman. I love him. Um, he, um, got me, uh, on dope and off dope. But anyways, we, uh, she got me out of Santa Paula. She moved me out of Santa Paula. And, uh, from that point forward, I started seeing a little bit differently. Mm. And I, and we moved around the corner from a church. And, there, and what and, city uh, is this that you're living in? This is Oxnard. Oxnard, the city of never-ending Sundays. So, yeah. Never-ending uh, yeah. summers. Oh, uh-huh, right, right. That's where I made um, my first child. Really? That's where she was produced. That's what I'm talking about, I my boy. I think it's the air. It. it was the air. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go ahead, that's my brother. Right. So, so we live, we live in, uh, we live in Oxnard, and, um, we, our balcony points at a church called New Life. Oh. And, uh. Wow. Yeah, new life. Yeah. I like it. New um, life. Yeah. Yeah, bro. And uh, the funny thing about it is throughout that whole time period of me trying to get sober, I had a job that I would take me, that the job would take me to a paint shop to go pick up paint during the week. And every time I would go to this paint shop, this old gentleman named Manuel would talk to me, chop it up with me, ask me about Santa Paula. He would see the look on my face and ask me if I was okay. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, the first day that, and never told me that he was a believer in Christ. Never told me that that uh, that uh, he goes to church. He just seemed like an older homeboy. He would talk to me about prison. He would talk to me about dope. He talked to me about killings. He talked to me about the struggle. Um, but the first day that I went to New Life, 
I seen him there. You're like, and he told me, he told me that he never stopped praying for me. Oh, come on. And that he knows that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. Um, man. Yeah. God's so been, living in Oxford. God's been putting guys uh -huh. around you all your life, man, huh? My entire life, brother. My entire life. Um, and, and, you know, um, I thank God that he did it the way he did it, that God did it the way he did it. Because if he would have bum-rushed me with all these men, at, all, you know what I mean, all at once, I would have went running the other way, bro. Definitely. God is, God is strategic. He's good like that. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, he put these men around me, speaking life into me, praying over me. And what that eventually did was it tilled the soil of my heart over the years. And once it was ready for the people that were to come after the men that were tilling the soil to, to plant the seed into my life, and then the ones to water the seed, then God was going to increase it. And here I am today. You know what I mean? Ooh, come on. Yeah. I like it. Um, so, yeah, living in Oxnard was cool. We started going to church. Um, I had a vision that uh, I was living out of wedlock with my wife. Uh, and my, I had my first daughter with my with my wife she gave me a daughter my only daughter and um i had a vision that when i got to the judge the judgment gates or the or the gates of heaven that god told me to depart me to depart from him for he never knew me and when i went to hell the next person up was my wife oh. and then he told her depart from me for i never knew you and then my kids so on and so forth wow so so when I had that vision, it freaked me out. And I said, I'm literally le leading my family to hell is what it looked like. So I knew Powerful that there's stuff. some, yeah, I knew that there were some things that needed to happen. Like one, I knew where, I knew living with my wife or with my girlfriend outside of wedlock, you know, living together in the same household is wrong because I started learning these different things in life about the Bible. But yeah. just not all that works. Huh? Yeah. Go, no, no. Go ahead, bro. It's good you know, stuff. You know, you know what I'm saying? I started learning these little things about the Bible, you know, the Ten Commandments and, and you know, man and woman should not live under the same household and, 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 and all these biblical principles. So he started showing me these little things in my life and having those visions. And I told her, I told, I told Veronica, I said, hey, mama. And I was actually, I think I, I may have been crying at the time when I shared, I said, I'm leading you guys to hell. I said, I'm over here trying to get sober and focusing solely on my life. But the whole time I think I'm doing progress, I'm, I, 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 I'm directing you guys in the wrong ways. Mm. I said, we need to get married. I said, we need to get married or we need to call it quits. So we try to call it quits because I just wasn't in a position to get married. I was on methadone. Um, um, and... I needed to get myself together before I got married. So we ended up moving out of Oxnard, moved to Simi Valley because there was a one-bedroom apartment that I was uh, trying to get for my daughter and I. And then her, so Veronica and her three boys were going to go the opposite direction. But for some reason, she couldn't find anywhere to live. She couldn't find a, 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 hot, a hotel. She couldn't find a, an apartment to rent. Her mom wouldn't let her live there. It was yeah. just all bad. So... One day, Pastor Ray, Ray Carrillo from New Life Church, he walks up and he's asking us, when do we think we're going to get married? And, 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 and have we thought about marriage? And, and have you guys taken marriage classes and marriage counseling? So I looked at her and I was like, well, 
maybe we should try that type deal. Yeah, <laughs> let's just try it, huh? <laughs> yeah, so we started going through marriage counseling, and I'm still trying to get sober, and I find myself relapsing, and I'm doing this, and eventually we finish it, and Pastor Ray marries us. And what year is and this? What year? This this is 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. 2006, yeah, the summer of 2016. So my wife and I have only been married going on three years. Um but but been together a little bit longer than that, of knowing each other a little bit longer than that. Mm. Um, but once we got married, man, uh, different things started happening. You know, um, we got an apartment together, like the right way. You know what I mean? We, Come on. But we actually got kicked out of the one in Simi Valley because we had six people living in a one bedroom, and we got you know they found out and they kicked us out. There's a law. There's a law in California. You know you can't have that many people in a one bedroom. They don't um, know my apartment complex. Then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, like bro. Seventy five people what, in a one bedroom. Yeah, I'm telling you, I need to be living over there. I ought to be straight. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, bro. Um, we ended up moving to Moore Park, California, man. Um, and um, Moore Park, California was a, a a big step for us because we had our own apartment um, together, married. Um, I finally got sober. I got off of methadone after being on methadone for two years. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so I'm finally seeing things um from a sober mind from a sober perspective you know what i mean there's no more you know drugs there's no more synthetic drugs there's no more medication there's no more counseling sessions and now i'm here with my wife and and uh my daughter and my my three boys here um and then i get my wife pregnant with our with our last child elijah who's three years old now and um yeah, man, that's where kind of things started changing for the good because I met um, some people that I was um, cutting hair for in the homeless shelter in Oxnard. Um, and then they in turn directed me to a couple of people um, that got me involved with uh, a ministry called Project Hope. Mm -hmm. And man, let's, and, uh, um, let's go ahead uh -huh. and um, park there for a second. Um, where, okay. uh, where do you... Um eventually sur uh, come to surrendering your life to the Lord. And then we're going to jump into Project Hope. Where does, yeah, that, where does yeah. that, that that season look like for Danny where you just, you know what, I'm giving it my all. I'm surrendering yeah. my life to the Lord. I'm going gun ho. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, there is this, <laughs> I tell this story and I laugh still to this day because it's weird how God did it. He, uh, so a marriage counseling session at my in-laws church in in Thousand Oaks called Skyline Church. Okay. There was a there was a couple called a called. There was a couple named Rob and Jenna Crenshaw, a white couple. And I think he's from Ohio and I think she may have been from the Midwest maybe or something like that. Um but I'm talking Crenshaw? about <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Crenshaw Mafia. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. So he was he was a, a man, a, an amazing dude, amazing man of God, white boy with uh, Amacrombie and Finch collared shirt, blue jeans, and some chanclas, right? Hey, no. Uh, yeah. Totally, totally not your out people. of my... Huh? <laughs> totally not your kind of people. 
Exactly. Totally outside of my circle that I would ever be drawn or or hang out with. Yeah. And uh, God had his way of allowing Rob into my life and, I, and, and his wife into my wife's life. And we started hanging out and they started to marital, marital counsel us. And um, um, so Rob was just interceding on behalf of my uh, my girlfriend at the time and I. And um, he was, uh, him and his wife was just doing what they're called to do is pray and, and, and edify those around him in the church and, and for, you know, to make the right decisions and things like that. And one day, one day I'm sitting at, uh, Rob's house in, uh, in his, uh, he had a little small apartment in Thousand Oaks <clears throat> and we're barbecuing some meat and I'm sitting on top of the picnic table and I'm facing towards him, talking to him while he's grilling the meat. And he looks at me and I have a, I have a, a tank top on and on the inside of my right arm, I have a tattoo that goes from the wrist all the way to the armpit. And it says what was once now will never be. Mm. And he can see my tattoo from the, from, from where he's at. And he looks at me in my eyes and he looks at my arm and he kind of nods with his head. Like, look at your arm. This is relevant for today and for right now. Mm. And I looked at my arm and I looked at him and I realized that's what he was talking about. And I had this overwhelming feeling come over my body, over my mind. And, it was a, I mean, I'm, I'm almost 30 years old, probably about this time frame, maybe 31. And Rob was probably in his forties by then. And I literally broke down weeping, crying Ooh, come on. in this, in this man's arms, in this wow. man's arm, I break down weeping and he starts praying for me right then and there. Shondo. And he starts asking me if I wanted to give my life to the Lord. If I wanted to accept Jesus Christ into my life and follow him the rest of my days. Wow. And in my mind, at that present moment, there was no other reason why I was alive but for that moment. Wow, that's, and. That's... I accepted him into my heart right there, and I cried. Oh man, I let a lot out that day, man, and I and it was wild. So that was the day. Oh, big time, bro, big time. Um, and I wish I could remember the actual day that that happened. I do remember the day I got baptized, but I I don't remember. And I got baptized before that, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. that was the actual day that I gave him my life to the Lord. And I would say that's probably 2016 time frame. Wow. Yeah, man. Ooh, man. You, I, I, ooh, man, I feel, I feel, I feel it, man. I feel it. God is, uh, <laughs> God is amazing, man. And how he, we all have that one story. Like, I love to hear, that's like the best part of every conversation I have with the podcast is when people begin to tell me the moment they believe that God came and touched them for the first time, where yeah. they felt the love, the peace. Man. Some people say, man, at to that moment, dude, in my life, I've never felt the peace. Peace, period. For real. I never yeah. felt love yeah. before. And I've yeah. never felt this, 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 it was, it was 
I can't explain it. Words can't explain. Mm -hmm. But um, and right. let's fast forward to, so, um, you're a barber. You cut yep. the, you cut people's hair. Um, but you good. not only cut people's hair, but you have a very unique way of. See, I tell people that there's more than one way. To, well, the old saying goes, "There's one way. There's more than one way to skin a cat." To me, yeah. Yeah. there's more than one way to evangelize, to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Some preach over by, uh, pulpits. Some use yeah. music. Some use food. Yeah. Some use. Yep. And so, talk to us a little bit about Danny, the barber. Um, mm -hmm. I know you're a barber by trade. I know yeah. that God is using you uh, mightily in the neighborhoods through a, 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 a nonprofit organization called Project Hope. Big shout outs to Hyman mm -hmm. Roberta. Yeah, um, man. Tell us a little bit about uh, 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 that 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 part of your life, which I, I'm sure is big to you as a big part of your life. Project Hope, being a barber, you know, all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah, man. So yeah, I became a I, can, I became a barber in 2016, um, a licensed barber in 2016, and uh, God was prepping me behind a chair, you know, as a barber to be able to deal with people in a way that was loving and, 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 and graceful. Oh, come on. Um, yeah. Cause you can't have love. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, because I think a lot of people need to understand that you can't have truth without coupling it with grace. Ooh, because if you don't, on. because if you just have the truth and it's just legalistic, it's just oh, legalism. Come on. But and if you if you just have the the grace, then you just get trampled all over. But if you have if you have truth and grace, and you push forward with that, then God starts allowing you to 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 do some things with both the truth and and, and pushing it through gracefully. So God so God was using me behind the barber chair to 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 share my testimony because I'm open with it. I ain't nothing I'm ashamed of no more, man. Uh -huh. You know, God wiped that shame away on the cross, baby. So, so I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open with questions and, 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 and I answer everything that people want to ask. Little kids ask me about tattoos. Older people ask me why the tattoos. Um, and that, that allows me to open up. Um, so yeah, barbering, and Project Hope, man, has been such a such a big part of my life, man. Um, so for the nonprofit, I am uh, a barber, and what we do is we go out to the communities and we do community resourcing, and we love on communities, the forgotten communities, and we we come in and love on them hard, free haircuts, free food, free free clothes. Um, free information, the word of God, prayer, the whole nine yards, free concert, whatever the case may be. Mm, um, and, 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 and in doing so, we are uh, 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 going after the harvest. You know, we're, we're going after the harvest with my skills as a barber. You know, with your skills as uh, when you bring the word of God to the inner city. Or to the outer city, the guys that are cooking on the grill, they're 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 bringing uh, 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 they're using their gifts in every single way. The ones that rap, the ones that are comedians, the face painter, the whole nine yards, Amen. and we're just loving on these people with our gifts because without loving on them first, they think that we want something from them. You know, 
you know, uh, we have to show them that we, we have to show them how much we care before they'll be able to trust us. You know what I mean? Definitely. So, definitely. so me going into the, or God allowing me to go into these inner cities and these different uh, housing projects in, in South LA and in East LA and able, uh, enabling me to love on these people just by giving them free haircuts. And now we are able to, to, to communicate with one with 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 these individuals on a regular basis. One of my buddies, Angel, just uh had a uh I think his sixteenth birthday yesterday. He's from Boyle Heights, Estrada Courts. Um and I learned him through Project Hope. Mm. And now we have a relationship together. You know what I mean? So now he reaches haircuts. out when it's bigger than haircuts, you know. There's only one reason why we're alive, and that's to magnify the Word of God. That is to magnify Ooh, the name on, of Jesus on. Christ. You know, you know what I mean. So anything, anything else, that's a privilege. Yes. Uh, um, like we are commanded to do this. You know what I mean. Definitely. So if 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 He allows me to do it through something that I enjoy, oh, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I I deserve a hell in a handbasket. You're gonna oh, allow oh, me to preach on. the Word, and you're gonna allow me to cut hair. And you're gonna allow me to provide for my family still? Say no more. I'm I'm sold on it. I'm in. I'm in. And I, and I get to go to heaven. Come on, baby. Come on. What he, I, he says. Uh huh. Go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead, boss. I was just gonna say that it says in the Word of God that if we, you know, believe in our hearts and and, and speak with our mouths and and truly believe that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross and we accept Him into our hearts and we surrender all to Him, that uh. By doing so, that we'll be saved. You know what I mean? Our sins are wiped clean. You know what I mean? Our shame is wiped away. And, and that he has a seat at his table for us. You know what I mean? Amen. What I love, so, about, yeah. what I, what I love about you and your story, and it's, it's definitely a story of redemption. That, yeah. that you know, you, through the course of your life, you know, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And, and God yeah. is continuing to show you Every now and again, hey, I haven't forgot you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. Putting people yeah. in your past. And, yeah. and it's just like every time you turn around, God's there. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. But one thing I yeah. love about uh, what you do for the Lord, and I'm sure that barber, being a barber is just a fraction of your life. But and as a barber, mm. one thing do, that I do know is that you have these people right there. For that few minutes, for that 15 minutes or mm -hmm. however long it takes to, to cut their hair, you have a unique position where you can yeah. tell them just about anything. And so mm -hmm. instead of talking smack, talking madness, joking around, mm -hmm. which you probably do joke around, yeah. you're able to <laughs> give them the gospel. You're, it's a t yeah. it, God, So God sets you up. That's your pulpit. That's the way you preach. And that's unique yeah. because... You know, people are always trying to figure out, like, man, how can I, how can I share the gospel and, you know, coming up with all these methods and trying to do things on their own. And God's like, I'm giving you a gift, and I'm gonna yeah. use that gift to glorify me. And and who would have yeah. known that an that, that an ex drug addict, nobody, yeah. mm -hmm. God can use as a barber to reach lost souls. That's yeah. a story, bro. That's a story that needs to be yeah. told. And so, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about. Uh, being a hubby, uh, tell us a little mm. bit about your family. You know, give us, yeah. give me, give me some, give me a couple of funny stories with your kids. You know, how was it raising babies and kids? And you know, as a Christian, as a non-Christian, so you, you had kids when you weren't saved. Now you have kids yeah. that you are saved. But 
I mean, t- just talk about being a daddy because everybody, you know, uh, sometimes I feel like daddies don't get their due, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about being a pops. You know, how, how is it being a dad? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, like, going on again and being a privilege, you know, from 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 my Lord and Savior to allowing me to be married and having uh, uh, six kids, three biological kids and three step kids. Um, oh man, a thirteen, a twelve, a ten, a eight, a five, and a and, and a three year old. Um, five boys. Yeah, five five boys and one girl. Um, it's actually been one of the biggest challenges of all my life. It would it would, it would it would be easier to go back on the streets and do dope than it is to be a a righteous <laughs> husband and 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 and, 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 a, and and a father a father that is present. You know what I mean? Not only present in the physical, but emotionally, spiritually, uh, um, for these kids and, and, and my wife. Um, I love my kids. I, I mean, I love my kids. I love my, they're all my kids. Amen. Uh, some people say, oh, they're all oh, your stepkids. No, no, homie, they're my kids. I've been with them for years now. Um, I, uh, so right now I have my kids, um, my, my three older boys in boxing right now. And um, I'm trying to allow my kids to see what struggle is. Because one of my kids wants to quit boxing, and this may not be a funny story, but it's something to chew on for a little while. Um, my uh, my my twelve year old wants to quit, and um, and something struck a nerve when he said he didn't want to do it anymore. So I started to ask God, you know, what is it that I'm feeling, and why do I feel like that? And 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 and, and I felt like he was sharing with me, well, when you wanted to quit. When you were a little boy, you had nobody telling you not to quit. Mm. And if I had somebody telling me not to quit, then my life probably would have been a little bit different. Like, I mean, like I said earlier, definitely, eighth grade, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I had to pull my son aside with the two other, two other barbers that work in our shop. Uh, one, 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 one's name is Zoe and one name is Memo. And uh, they're like, my, my kids love those kids, love those guys. So um, I told him, I said, Bobby, listen, dude. I said, you can't quit. I says, because if you quit now, that's going to be, that's going to be something you're comfortable doing. And I needed to, I needed, I needed to be hard for you to quit things. I says, if you don't experience a little bit of struggle in life and you quit before the struggle starts, how can you be stretched? How can you, how can you build muscle? How can you get better at anything? There needs to be a little bit of resistance in your life and a little bit of uncomfortability in order for you to build character, in order for you to be the man that God has called you to be. Wow. I said, I said at, at 12 years old, Papa, you won't understand what I'm saying. I said, but rest assured, as long as I follow after Christ and I get the word of God deposited in me and God uses it through me for you, you will not be led astray, Papa. I promise you that. Mm. I said, I have, devo- you know, I have devoted my life to Christ. I have devoted my life for his will and you fall in his will too. So I have to, you know, I have to shepherd you properly. So I can't allow you to quit yet. Although you might, it might not, he might not make a career out of boxing, but at least he will know 
what it's like to be uncomfortable for a short season in his life, mm-hmm. you know? Good stuff, good so, stuff. Yeah, so that's yeah. just a little something that I've been going through right now, a little nah, quick man, testimony. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, what's crazy is um, I remember when I was oh, maybe seventh, eighth grade, I don't know what what year it was, but I remember quitting baseball. Yeah. And then everything was just easy. Then I eventually I quit life. I quit high school. Yeah. I quit yeah. jobs. I, and yeah. I think even as a grown man doing ministry, serving yeah. the Lord, I was still quitting. I didn't yeah. stop quitting until my wife told me I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better not lose that job. And you better. Yeah. Hey, you ain't, hey, I used to tell my wife, we get in, my, we get in fights. I'm like, I'm out of here. She goes, you ain't leaving. I'm like, oh, I guess I ain't leaving. You're going to stay yeah. here and you're going to be a man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. but you know what? Amen. Talk a little bit about uh, about um, give a little bit of encouragement to uh, to uh, you know uh, say some uh, talk about the wifey marriage. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I know that we as men, people look at us as men and they see us, but they don't always realize that this to be who we are at times, we gotta have mm-hmm. strong, dedicated, loyal women. Next to us, not behind us, yeah. not not yeah. Be in front of us, but right next to us. Tell us a little yeah. something. Brag a little bit about the wifey, just to just to make all the other oh. other, other wifeys yeah. mad. Yeah. Oh man. So so Veronica Ramirez, man. She's uh. I tell you what, man. Um, I don't deserve her. Oh come on. Uh, Me. I uh. God has. Ge- yeah, you know, God has given me something good in life. Um, he has given me a, a, a person who who I can wake up and pull a twelve-hour day, which I do on a, almost on a regular basis, and I can I could I could come home to no dirty clothes in my hamper. Hey, now all of all of my clothes, my socks folded, my underwear folded. My slingshots, my white t-shirts, my pro club. Wait a minute, my, wait a minute. Did my... you say slingshots? Yeah. I got. I <laughs> thought I was the only person that still uses that word. But go ahead, go ahead, go nah. ahead. Nah, baby, you know. That's old school. Um, the slingshots, the, uh, 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 my pajama pants, my pro club shorts, all my clothes on the hanger. I can go downstairs and have a hot meal. Even if, I don't care if my dinner was made two hours ago. When I get home... My meal is hot and ready, not because I demand it, but because she is willing to serve me. Ooh, come on. She's willing to serve me and live a selfless life to where I don't want or need anything. God has given it to me through my wife and my children and my salvation. You know, he's given me... A wife that has my kids are completely healthy back and forth to school because I'm out there busting twelve hours a day. She's an at home mom. She's been a stay at home mom for six years now. And when I tell you that my wife has mastered the stay at home mom stuff, man, I'm talking about not a piece of lint on the floor. All the all the cabinets are are, are all the all the labels are faced out. My shoes are lined up. My hey, no. bed is made. Man, I'm telling you, bro, when I tell you I have a wife that really serves her family a thousand percent, like I have her. I have her. 
you know? My guy. You better take her on oh. a Mother's Day, huh? <laughs> oh man, I gotta yeah, I gotta save some chips for that. We gotta give her something nice this year, man. I wanna <laughs> I wanna do something nice for her this year though, but for sure though, because I'm not yeah, a great planner. Yeah. Um but we'll, I, we'll see how it works out. Yeah, wifey's like, you don't plan. I'm like, ah but yeah. hey, man. So let's 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 uh let's bring it home a little bit. We yeah. we learned a lot about you, bro. Uh I yeah. learned a lot about your journey. Uh I learned yeah. we, we learned about what you do, how you do yeah. what you do. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put you in a scenario um, before we, we before we, uh, we let you go. Um, yeah. Imagine you're in the projects, you're getting ready to cut the last haircut. Yeah. God says this is it. This is the last haircut you're gonna cut. You start cutting. What would be the last conversation you would have with somebody if you could just talk to one last young person who was lost? What would you say to that person? See, that's a. Uh that that's a very interesting situation, right? Because it could be, it could be that that child or that young man or the old man, they've heard everything. Mm. They probably heard everything under the sun. They can, they may have lived for five years, 10 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but that individual has heard probably everything under the sun. And they are, frankly, probably tired of hearing what people have to say. What I would do in a situation like that is I would probably give them the biggest hug that I can. I would give them the best haircut that I could possibly give them. I would pray for them in the name of Jesus to be delivered for whatever situations that they could be involved in coming out of going into um and 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 just frankly share with them after i've already showed them how much i love them that i love them and also there's a god in heaven who loves them mm. and that would probably be what i would tell them mm-hmm. and then i would probably exchange some small information in the event that we ever get to meet on another playing field, somewhere else in the world, somewhere else on another street, whatever the case may be, possibly touch bases. God, God forbid, I, I I I don't see them again because we try to keep these communication lines open and we try to keep these uh, relationships going. But if that was the last shot of the day, I would I, I would I would show them first that how much I love them, and then I would back it up with a small word and a big hug, man. Amen. Awesome. awesome. You know. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so, uh, in closing, we want to continue to uh, promote Project Hope for those that are yeah. listening. Uh, Saturday, February fifteenth, between twelve p.m. and four p.m., they will be at Tony uh, uh, Tony Park in the city of Pomona. Yeah. Not too sure that uh, uh, that word, but February fifteenth at twelve p.m. Mm-hmm. to four p.m. in the city of Pomona. You can look them up at Project Hope. CA um you can look up go ahead and um give us your um your Instagram your Facebook so if they want to get a hold of you for more information on Project Hope uh where you located where your barbershop's located where they can go and get a fresh cut Yeah man I'm in the uh so my 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 Instagram is Danny B O I I Y 805 so at Danny Boy 805 um 
I'm in the city of Camarillo in Ventura County at the Craft Studios Barbershop. Um, we got a gang of barbers in there that love people and that we love you through situations in your lives. Um, you guys can also, um, what is it right now? Let me see what we at. You can also go to www.projecthopeca.org and you can check out Project Hope, um, our website, and uh, you guys can get involved by volunteering, by donating. You can actually learn a little bit about us. We have pictures of ourselves on there to uh, uh, put a face to the name. Like if you don't know what I look like, my wife Veronica looks like a high man birdie and some other team members. Um, yeah, bro. Um, yes. Uh, Saturday, February 15th from 12 to 4, we're going to be at Tony Serta Park in Pomona. It's going to be uh, 450 West Grand Avenue in Pomona, man. It, everything's free. Pull up, man. Amen. We'd love to uh, 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 serve you, to love on you, just to hang out, slap hands, maybe shoot some hoops, kick some soccer balls around, cut your hair, you know, whatever you guys need. We love. Amen. One more time, my brother, Danny Boy, 805. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your your story with us, and I pray that um, yeah, I will continue to bless your, your business. Bless your family. We gotta, we, yeah, hey, we gotta see your own barbershop one day, man. The, your own barbershop. Hey, Amen. God willing, but he got plans, bro. Above our understanding, you know. Come on. <laughs> I'm with it. Hey, Amen. Project sure. Hope. You can get more. Uh, Project Hope. C A. Hey, Amen. Well, thank you very much, man. You have a wonderful night. God bless you, bro. Thank you. God bless you, man. For sure. Thank you, brother. You too. God bless. All right, ladies. Woo! Come on, another amazing conversation, man. If God don't do it, he do it. What, man, what I love about this guy's um, uh, story is that no matter what happened, no matter what he went through, it seemed like God was always reminding him, I love you. You're on my mind. Sending men to him. Women. It's just like if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, know this, that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may be feel far from God. And you might be physically doing things you're not supposed to and living a life that God hasn't called you to live. But nevertheless, know that God loves you. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world. I know this is like a scripture everybody continues to use over and over, but it's the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him not perish, but have everlasting life. And this young man's story is a perfect example of God's redeeming redemption. The God, the, you're never too far for God to grab you. You're never too far to, for, for God to save you. If there's somebody out there that you feel like maybe you got a loved one, you got a family member, or even you, that you're too far gone. You're never too far gone. Amen. Again, I want to thank everybody for your love and support. 2020 has got some... Some things I can't talk about, but got some things in store, some things that, that God is doing with the podcast. And so look out for some some changes, some good things. Amen. Also, um, big shout out to my brother again, Danny Boy, for coming through. Everybody uh, that's scheduled to come through. We got uh, every week, every Tuesday every or every Wednesday, we dropping. So amen. So like I always say, I got to go, man. Wifey calling me. Kids calling me. Stomach's calling me. Remember. And everything you do, let's get God glory. God bless you.